0: Well, welcome to church today. Hello to my mom. I always say hi to her. I hope you're doing great today, mom. And I hope to see you soon. Uh, Well, listen, school is in session for everybody by now, I know, and I know it's been difficult. And I just wanna say a special word to teachers and educators and administrators and all of you who are teaching our children. I know this year is not what you think. It's a very uh, difficult and taxing and time-consuming and stressful And I just want you to know that our church on all three campuses really cares about our teachers and educators. And we just want you to know that we're praying for you. We're doing things that we can do, giving you free coffee, doing some things that would really encourage you for sure. So keep the faith, and know that God is with you, and we're going to get through this for sure. Well, we're in this series called "Not What You Think," and it comes out of the fact that we're living a life that we didn't think that we would be living because of a virus. But here we are. We're looking at the unpredictable things that happen as people relate to God. Now, even if you didn't have a um, Growing up, up, you didn't go to church. The story I'm going to talk about today is really something that's probably pretty familiar to you, and it illustrates this. Like any intimate relationship, a relationship with God is not something that is a system that can be mastered or a cause and effect that can be counted on. It's intimacy. And in any intimate relationship, you has to have trust and understanding and communication. And so that's what Jesus came to provide. So this is why Jesus says, come and follow me, know me, follow me, listen to me, instead of just giving us a list of do's and don'ts. It's amazing how many people think a relationship with God is keeping the rules or living out some list of things that you could do or staying away from the things you shouldn't be doing. But it's really bigger than that. It's this idea of knowing God personally. So even if you didn't grow up in church, you're going to know this story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It's when Jesus fed 5,000 people from a very limited resource. Now, I'm going to read this story to you, and what we're going to look at here is uh, sort of how God looks at you, which is not what you think, and how you look at yourselves, and I want you to look at this impossible situation that Jesus asked his disciples to do, and the reason I think this story is important is because of this. I think you and I at times face impossible things things that God may be leading us toward or asking us to do, and we think they're impossible. And I want you to see something today that will really encourage your faith. It's found in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6, and it says this. Here's the story. Here's the setting. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Jesus had just sent out, for example, the twelve two by two to do great and mighty things, to cast out demons, to teach. And so they were coming back and they were reporting to them after a long period of time. Then it goes on to say this. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away to themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Now, I love the way Mark sets the scene for us. Jesus and the 12 are trying to get away, get some R&R, get some food, get some rest. After a long period of ministry, of doing things, being taxed by people, even if you're a people person like me, you get tired of people. So they were trying to get away to a solitary place. And they were so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed and so busy that the report here is that they didn't even have time to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get hangry, you know, I don't even look at other people's needs, So here was the plan, you know, to get away, and yet their plan was interrupted, like most plans, right? It didn't work out the way you'd planned, didn't work out the way Jesus planned, didn't work out the way the disciples planned. So you can see the picture here is that crowds were following Jesus, um, you know, that they were crowding around him. They weren't giving him any rest. So here's the next thing. It says, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. That's an interesting thing. They had He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I want you to catch that phrase. Jesus had compassion on them. Why? Because he saw them in a certain way. He saw them as sheep, as sheep without a shepherd. So began teaching them many things. Now, Jesus saw the people. Now, I think this is interesting. It's moving to me because I don't know about you, but when I'm tired or hungry, I get pretty self-focused. You know that that's you know when we get exhausted or tired or hungry for something in life, oftentimes it allows us to ignore or be blind to other people's needs. But Jesus saw people in a way that allowed him to say, okay, I had a plan, but that plan didn't work. These people are needs. And he looked at them in a certain way and said, they are sheep without a shepherd. He saw them in their desperate place. He saw the people in a way that the people didn't even see themselves. This gives us some reassurance. And here's why. Because God's never too busy to see you today. And so whatever you're going through, and I have to remind myself of this, whatever I'm going through, God is aware. I kind of get lost in this idea possibly that God's too busy for me or that God's got a, another plan or that God is, um, you know, somehow uh, sees my needs or my desires or my hurts or my des- uh, my, the things I want is trivial. But I'm reminded in this passage that even though Jesus had a plan to get away with his disciples and to get some rest, he changed his plan for you. He changed his plan for the people. His plan is you. You're the most important thing to him. He sees your need, in fact, better than you see it. And he wants to help you. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, I kind of feel sorry for myself at times of need. And I wonder if God really wants to help me. And I wonder if God really cares about my pain or my suffering or my vision or my thoughts. And I just want you to know the truth today, whether you believe it or not, is that God sees you and he wants to help you. He's not too busy and you're not insignificant to him. You're the most important thing going on in God's life right now. Now, this is the first real not what you think moment you and I don't usually think of ourselves as sheep who need a shepherd. Now, we understand that sheep need a shepherd. We just don't find ourselves in this way. We don't look at ourselves as sheep who need a shepherd. But we understand sheep do need a shepherd. They need a shepherd to lead them to safe pathways, to help them find food, to defend against danger, to find them when they wander off, to restore them back to the fold or to the flock. Sheep need guidance. So the implication is you need guidance and I need guidance. I need guidance. I I, I just want you to hear today that our internal moral and emotional guidance system doesn't work right. And we need something outside of ourselves we need a shepherd. We are sheep. Now, I don't think we see ourselves this way, but this is the way God sees each of us. He has compassion on us because he sees us as sheep without a shepherd. It's like when you're raising kids. Huh? We raised four children And when your children are young, it's as easy to do. You see that they're misguided or they're going in the wrong way and they're wandering off. And you're the shepherd, right? You're the parent. So you go and you give them guidance and you give them reassurance and you give them redirection and you teach them things, you teach them skills. And they usually, because they're young, listen to you and they want your guidance. In fact, when your children are scared, and they're small, they come to you as their shepherd for protection. But when their children grow up, right, uh, it's harder. Adult children don't see themselves as sheep needing a shepherd. And and so it's harder to to redirect adult children back this way. And I think it's harder for us as adults to see ourselves the way God sees us. We don't see ourselves this way and that way, because we don't see ourselves this way, we don't look to God for guidance when we really desperately need it. Jesus began to teach them many things. Now, I don't know what he's teaching them, but they needed to be taught something. So Jesus sits down this giant crowd and begins to teach them. Now, this is where we sort of get this next not-what-you-think moment, right? This is what happens next in verse 35. It says, By this time all this had happened, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to Jesus and said, Listen, this is a remote place, they said, And it's already very late. So send the people away so that they can go to their surrounding countryside and villages And buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Now, this is the not what you think moment. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you do this. You give them something to eat. This is an impossible thing, right? They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. To feed all these people, Jesus, are you crazy? You know how much money that would cost? I like these disciples that were following Jesus. They were sort of accountants like, you know what it would cost to feed this kind of crowd? And he says this, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Remember that Jesus saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. Remember that. And as a good shepherd, a good shepherd feeds his sheep. So the typical plan, as the disciples explained it to Jesus, as if Jesus needed some explanation, says, here's what we're going to do, Jesus. It's late in the day. These people are going to be hungry and just a little bit. So we're going to send them back to their villages and their towns and their places so they can go buy some stuff and eat. Now, remember, this is a different day and time. Food wasn't readily available like it is today. They couldn't go down to the Taco Bell and get them a burrito. They had to go back and prepare and buy food and, or slaughter a pig or do something. Well, they were Jewish, so probably not a pig, but a sheep or something to eat. So this was a big undertaking. Eating every day was a big undertaking, right? So the typical plan wasn't, uh, was not to send them away so that they could eat. But Jesus had another plan. He said, let's feed them. Now, the disciples looked at the natural way of doing things, and this was overwhelming. They didn't consider the fact that Jesus had a miraculous plan in mind or something out of the ordinary, See, this is when most of us get overwhelmed as well. We look at what's needed and we see things that are needed as really impossible. And when we get to the end of our resources and we need something else to happen, we get overwhelmed because we see the impossibilities and we don't see the opportunities for God to work in our lives. We have enough, to ex- enough experience in our lives to understand the resources and the allocation of resources to get things done. But what we, don't, what we don't understand is what God has planned for our life. Is it possible that God is leading us to an impossible place or an impossible task just to provide in an improbable way? You see, our anxiety in this season comes many times because we know how difficult uh, things are. We face impossible things and and we know how things work, but we're not really counting on the fact that God is going to come through miraculously. We don't readily think that God has a way that we've just really not considered. Notice that Jesus asked his followers to do the impossible. He says, you feed them. Well, here's how it turns out Mark 38. 638. He says, how many loaves do you have? And he asked, do you go and see? Go take an inventory. And when they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and two fish And looking up to heaven, this is really incredible. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, right? And they all ate and they were all satisfied. And the disciples then picked up the leftovers and they picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So we know it was more than 5,000 because we know there was more than just men there. There was women and children. So Jesus fed this incredible crowd. Now Jesus knew what was needed and what was available, but he asked the disciples to do something amazing. Okay, so let's just take Take the story as a way of practical application to your impossible task or to your difficulty that you face now. Here's the first thing that I recommend that you do. Figure out what you have. Take an inventory. I don't know about you, but I, I'm a half empty kind of fool. The glass is half empty. I'm that kind of guy. I'm a pessimist. I'm, I'm not very optimistic. And so I have to really purpose this. Take some time to figure out what you have versus focusing on what you don't have. So the disciples did that. The book of John tells us the same story here. In the book of John says, they found a boy, and this boy had come prepared with a picnic, and he had five loaves of bread, and he had two fish. That's what they had. So where the disciples were focused on what they didn't have, Jesus turned their attention on what they had. Go find out what what do you have. Now, initially, right, this might have gone to prove the disciples' point. Look, Jesus, we we did the inventory. We asked everybody, do you have any food? We found one boy and that boy had five loaves of bread and two fish. So we can't possibly feed all these people. But look what God did. He took what they had and he provided. The first thing he did is he gave thanks. He said, thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for what we have. You see, being grateful for what you have is a good way to address the anxiety over what you don't have. See, I believe God works in the same way today. We are in this long, difficult season where everything is a bit unstable and we are all crave certainty and there is no certainty to be had. We don't know how long this virus is going to have. We don't ha- know how long exactly we're going to have to do life like this. So instead of t- thinking about what we don't have, maybe the best thing we could do is to um, take an inventory of what we do have encounter our blessings and present those to God. The, the best thing we could possibly do is, is to prob- possibly see ourselves the way God sees us. Humbly come to grips with the fact that you and I, we're like sheep who need a shepherd. We need a leader. I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at predicting the future. And I don't know what the future holds. I need a good shepherd to help us. So be a good learner in this season because I believe it's in times like this where we reach out to God and we surrender to him as our great shepherd that we learn so much about ourselves. I don't know what Jesus was teaching the 5,000, but it had to do with their current world, their current situation, who they were. And I know this, Jesus was teaching them about himself. They were saying, he was saying to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life right? He was talking about salvation. He was talking about the forgiveness of sins and he was instructing them. So Jesus wants to lead and teach you and me in this time of need. Now, if we're just going to try to endure, we might miss the amazing things that God actually wants to do. If we run up against the impossible and we just kind of throw up our hands like the disciples and come up with some sort of better plan, we might miss the miracle. We might miss the supernatural life that God has for us. That's why I think King David wrote what he wrote in Psalm 23. It's a familiar psalm. Here, let's say it together, out loud. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening to, say, don't take your eyes off the road if you're driving, but let's say this out loud together. Ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, you you read that psalm, it's a very religious idea. And we read that, we see it, we probably recited it so many times if you grew up in church. But here's what I want you to know about that psalm. Psalm 23 wasn't written in a time of peace or prosperity. It wasn't written in a time of good times. David, um, David was struggling in a time of war when he wrote this. So he wasn't reflecting and being grateful. He was projecting in this idea that the Lord is his shepherd and he shall not want even in the time, in difficult times. If you read Psalm 22, which is your homework, by the way, read Psalm 22. He starts that Psalm out by saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then we come to Psalm 23 and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. So this is a relationship. So maybe you pray this prayer uh, for a few days. You just go to Psalm 23 and you recite it and you pray it because you're anxious and you just want to kind of stand on the truth that God is your shepherd and, and you might be nervous or unsettled to run, with God, run to God with this, but I want you to know that God sees you with compassion. The truth is that God wants to help you, and he wants to heal you, and he wants to lead you. And I don't know how long this stuff's going to go on, but I can know this, the Lord is my shepherd. The peace comes from God, not our circumstances. And I need a shepherd. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not independent. I can't predict the future. I need God. How about you? So when you face the impossible, take an inventory of what you have and take what you have to God. Give it to God. I don't know how, how God's gonna meet your needs, but I believe you will. And don't listen to that voice in your head that tells you that God's abandoned you or that left you or you're on your own. Uh, it's, it's not what you think. God has a plan. It's different than yours. And you have to think of the way of faith. So I don't know what you believe about God, but I hope today that you'll see God as your shepherd and you'll see yourself as a sheep and that God will lead you and guide you as you face impossible things. God's got a great miracle for you. Uh, I, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a great prayer. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for being our shepherd. And we just confess our pride that we don't see ourselves as sheep. But when we do, we can be great learners. So this story is the story of your miraculous provision that you take what we have and that you provide. So may we take an inventory of what we have and be grateful. And may you, God, will you grow our faith as we lean on you and surrender to you as our great shepherd. Thank you for being a good shepherd and providing for your sheep. We pray you would bless in Jesus' name. Amen.